last time on Dice Funk. I'm confused. What are you? I'm a Dia. Okay, walked into that one. Can you elaborate? Um, what's that? Can you eat it? Hmm. All right, so this looks to be some sort of nocturnal biome. I think we should use the Holocaster and play Yu-Gi-Oh card Mystical Moon to get some moonlight in here so we can see what's <laughs> happening. 12 fire damage. All right, so you unstop one of your potions, uh, and just a giant uh, ball of fire erupts from it into the sky. It's like the sun. We've got the moon, and now we've got the sun. Oh we're, my god. We're doing it. <laughs> Making this happen. This is like when they printed Blood Sun to go along with Blood Moon. And because it's so powerful, it could be dangerous no matter what. So it could be like the platonic form of of adorable duckling that could be dangerous if you used it wrong. Well, uh, are you, what are you, if it was the adorable duckling, are you still going to destroy it? Like I asked, or are you going to are you going to go all soft and try to keep it? You're like, oh, it's so cute. I don't even, I don't even care if uh, if, if Kashim makes the guy knock my other eye out. I mean, you can literally take control of me at any time, so the answer is sort of moot, isn't it? I mean, you could all go go down in a blaze of glory, I guess, but... I, I think... I, I think Gladys would say, like, it genuinely does depend on what it is. I need to know what it is before I make my decision. Gladys, would you like a raccoon or a possum to be your Pokemon? Pokemon, come Pokemon. on. Pokemon, Pokemon. Could, could take uh, one of these anglerfish that we talked about. Do you want to bond your soul with Mac tonight? <laughs> <laughs> bond with Mac tonight, God. Oh, and it, it be, because it, like, before they only had, like, a month-long life cycle, now you just kind of, you skipped that entirely. If it's one of those, like, little moon guys... I imagine that they're like floating. Can it like like if I if I bonded to that, could I just have it like floating around my head like in an orbit? Like a lunatone, a crescent moon shaped floating creature? Yeah. Fifteen damage to Trayan and Gladys. What the blast wave is as you get close, because you foolishly kind of walk onto the star field uh, as these things are falling. Uh, Not like a normal explosion, but almost like some kind of strange druid transformations, right? Where you can can wild shape into an animal. Uh, Basically, the ground ahead of you does that in such a way that you are like blown backwards and hit by things that once one moment ago were you know dirt and rocks and plant material and are now porcelain and glass and steel uh and do the is it leaving anything in like the crater of where this happens like is there a core to this star or anything like that and you see uh dozens of these impacts all over um as far as the eye can see in each direction and in the the epicenter of each impact is a glittering gem. The best Legend of Zelda game is Darksiders 1, and that's because Legend of Zelda is not actually that great of a series. It is okay. 
<laughs> I like the Darksiders game. I've played all of them, even the bad ones, and I think they're fine, but I'm also an edgelord. Like, my only experience with the comic books are Spawn and Hellboy, which I feel like fit in the same niche as Darksiders, so you can kind of see where I'm at. But also, uh, of course, got to disagree. A couple of great Zelda games. Uh, Link Between Worlds. I just think they get kind of boring after a while. I, I will say this, Austin. There's something I do every year that I think you'd enjoy. Uh, there's a guy who compiled every single um, uh, Hellboy Universe comic book into in-series chronological order. Uh, and then I read it in series from the beginning of time to the end of the series. And boy, let me tell you, that recontextualizes some stuff. Well, that does sound interesting. Uh, as of this recording, we just saw the Video Game Awards and they announced a Hellboy video game. So we are feasting. Yeah, I am. I was oh. fully erect. <laughs> <laughs> well, what kind of what kind of video game is it? He kind of looks like a like a I, I don't know. Fact, I don't fucking know lots of video games very well, but like he looks like the um, type who would have like the uh, jump around like slash dudes shoot gun devil may cry. B based off of what I could gather, it, it looks like it's going to be a God Hand style roguelike. Yeah, it is roguelite action adventure, according to the Steam page. Um, yeah, if it's God Hand inspired, that's interesting because obviously that game was a huge flop when it came out, but now has a ton of cultists, I would call them. <laughs> yeah, yes, <laughs> yep, yep. yep. And that would that would track honestly that type of stylization, but doing a rogue light sort of thing. The advantage of rogue lights as well is that once you get the procedural level generation figured out, that you don't have to worry about designing actual levels. You can just make the game make it every time. It's easy. Yeah, it's so easy. <laughs> I, I think something happened to Mike Magnola as a child um, because you can tell it's a piece of media that is written by him. If you ever see any sort of primate, uh, because it will be evil and probably try to shoot you with a gun. Yeah, <laughs> that monkey's got a gun. Bang, bang. Um, if you've not heard. OK, if you haven't played God Hand, that's fine. I don't think you need to. But you should at least go to YouTube and look up the ending song where it's a lyric song uh, describing the events of the game you just played. And the lyrics are incredible. They talk about uh, twisting people's nuts and kicking them in the Milky Way. It's just extremely good. So do that for me and then come back here and listen to the rest of this episode. <laughs> okay, so wait, so we're, all right, this, right, this is the Godhead episode. Got it, perfect. Got it, all right. God, uh, it should I, be the God Hand episode. Is it, is it Godhead or God Hand? Hand. God hand. Yeah, actually, Kismet here, uh, a story about someone grafting a body part onto themselves. So, Arabella vibes, let's say. Mm. <laughs> so, last we left the adventure, uh, the party entered the night biome. Uh, apparently, the god of night, the goddess of night, you're not exactly sure, uh, has created a, an ecosystem for nocturnal animals who didn't take kindly to your crepuscular asses and tried to beat you up. But at the end of the episode, we did some key roles here to find the form the Abeleth has sent you to locate. Uh, and you uh, you succeeded, but someone botched, which meant uh, I gave you some information and some misleading information. And we ended with you finding kind of the impact site 
where these gems have been falling to earth, the, the new one gems, as you figure it out. And as one of them hit the ground in front of you, it caused a shock wave, which not only, uh, you know, knocked you down, uh, but it seemed to, to basically terraform the ground around it. Everything started changing shape and, and situation there. So uh, let's, let's pick up right now with Trayan and Gladys kind of standing up. Maybe some of your, you know, clothing, equipment, scales have been affected in some way. You can paint me that picture. Uh, Throg, you and you and Gort are fine. Uh, you kind of got away from the blast. Yeah, we, we saw the boss area of effect attack coming, so we just jumped. <laughs> <laughs> Throg. Throg is a warrior of light. Got it. Anyways. Um, uh, like, like when you say affected by it, do you mean like... D- d- just kind of like got puzzled around or do you mean like the terraforming happened I think in that's some up to way you. <laughs> i mean you can paint me the picture i'm thinking like you could have like some of the you know the hems of your garments could be like flowers now you know maybe some one of your bottles turned into uh a, like a small animal or something uh who, who knows <laughs> what could have happened to you uh but not a small animal that sounds horrific uh huh. I'm just saying. What if you have you have a little little guy now? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, see, I think you're you imagined a full living little creature. I was thinking a horribly malformed Cronenberg type situation. But then that's just, that, that's just where your mind goes by default, Dan. So, <laughs> like so, some like piece of the clothing or, or or like her scarf or something like crystallized a little bit. It's all shiny, cool now. Absolutely, yeah. Like if you, your some of your clothing turned into crystals, one of your potions just exploded into a cloud of butterflies, which flew away. Uh, stuff like that. Uh, and there's all these craters you have found here, and you know they have these gems in them, like you found, you saw on Dio. You know Dio is the gem essentially. Um, and it seems like when they hit the ground, they just started uh, rearranging things. Uh, can I can I make a suggestion? Um, from the blast, uh, Gladys's new friend Mac is now made of cheese. <laughs> Don't do Mac like that. No, that's... Don't do my friend Mac dirty like uh, that. All right. I'll, 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 okay, I'll, 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 Living cheese. I... I, I, I was going to say, uh, the joke idea is that one of Trayan's bronze uh, awards turns gold, thus making it worthless in his eyes. No, <laughs> I do like the idea that yeah, there is just a wheel of cheese there, and you're like, oh, was that my was that my water skin? <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> I need that wheel of cheese just falls out of Trayan's bag. <laughs> I mean, I'm now imagining like one of those Skyrim things where you're just like hitting the button to spawn items in, and they just all <laughs> explode out as the engine struggles. <laughs> I, w- I would also like to think that. Trayan's duffel bag is somehow turned inside out, and all the items are on the ground, like. So he so he would have to spend time getting the bag to be the right side around. <laughs> yeah, Sprinkles is here, and I think she just kind of walks around and starts picking up stuff and putting it in her bag of holding, kind of on her back behind her capelet. Uh, I think I said this at the end of the episode, but just to reiterate, um, Gort fetches the little gem from this uh, this cr- uh, crash site uh, that he scampered down into, uh, and Thog is going to sort of mull- uh, take it and mull it over. Uh, for a little bit before deciding to put it into his bag. Oh man, just, just I, I, I think after um, 
we've established these things that have happened. Like Gladys just kind of dusts herself off as like, you seeing this shit, Mac? <laughs> we should get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't want to stick around and have one of them hit closer to us or on top of us. Train is scrambling to to just get his stuff back in the bag while not fixing the in <laughs> the inside outness of it. <laughs> the, the certificate says that this is for a fighting competition. Now it says it's for a baking competition. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so you all are going to leave this uh, impact site and start going uh, in the direction. It seems like the thing came from. It's obviously up in the sky, but you know, further away from here. Um, you know, I think Throg's going to be watching, uh, how Sprinkles is handling this whole situation. Yeah. How, how does Sprinkles seem to be reacting to everything that she's, she's seeing here? That seems like an insight check. Okay. Let's see how this is going to go. First and roll of the recording. 20. Mm. Hell yeah. Uh, Sprinkles has definitely taken on a kind of different body language since the impacts. She, you know, she's been looking around, picking things up. I think with a 20, you actually catch her sneaking some gems into her bag of holding. Um, and more specifically here, uh, there is a sense of her becoming protective of them. Um, we know in the future, her whole thing is literally flying around, finding these gems and uh, attacking people who take them for themselves. Mm -hmm. She kind of becomes like the defender of the artificial or like the synthetic non-organic person. That's like all her mission in the future. Mm -hmm. So this is like the beginning of that, of her feeling a kinship. You know, she's never really known anybody but the Aboleth. She's feeling... Uh, abused. She's she's you know getting closer to you. She's feeling conflicted. The um, twenty is very good. So I'm trying to give you everything. Like this is the start of her siding with new ones over everyone else. Uh, so that that's where she's at now. It's like coming to that re realization and beginning that journey. I I think Throg would yeah would probably pick up on this and he can identify it with with it pretty well. And I'd probably sort of say to kind of at her, I guess, um, you identify with them. It looks like Sprinkles wants to respond to you. And then suddenly her, you know, whole demeanor changes and she raises one of her clawed fingers to her lips to like shush you. Mm -hmm. And you all hear a voice say, uh, hey, y'all, what's uh, what's going on? You know, you, uh, you're on your quest still? Did I miss anything? I took a big nap. You know, it's, well, you got to recharge when you're my age and my size. You know, the calorie the deficit, it's a whole thing. Yeah, I remember my, my buddy was telling me once that if you, got, if you eat 10 people a day, you'll double in size every 10 years. I, I'm not a nutritionist. never checked it out, but it seems right. Uh, it, it, it's really dependent on the types of carbohydrates you're taking on. Certain ones have a different glycemic index, and that will change how your body ingests it over time. So it really is a, more of a matter of just monitoring your diet intake to get different outcomes. I used to, I, I used to date a gal named Glycemic. Uh, she was from, she was from, uh, well, you wouldn't know about it. It was, uh, it's a small island nation, you know. Uh, we used to have more of those before everything got exploded. That's not my fault. I didn't do that. Dog's amazed that Trayan said glycemic index. 
Tran has fucking like cool fit boy knowledge. Yeah. Actually, I think Throg's like, what the hell is a glycemic index? (laughs) What's a carbohydrate? You gotta make sure you gotta make sure that your proteins have all the the aminos in there, or else you're not really you know you're not really synthesizing and and healing. You're just you know you're just putting calories in you with no goal. So you know, just saying, yeah. You ever seen the John Boyce video, the dumbest boy of all time? <laughs> it's, it's about bodybuilders arguing over how many days are in a week. <laughs> oh my god. Is that the like three point five days or something? Yeah, yeah. Tra- yeah tra- no. tra- trade works out three point five <laughs> days a week. He, f- he finds how to he finds how to get a half day workout in there. See, if you live in the woods like Throg, you can never stop working out because you'll die effectively. So the Abolo says. So uh, what were you talking about there, Throw Rug? I was thinking back on my past. I do that a lot. It's a great time. Yeah, things were better back then. You know, you have any? Do you have a? You have an old gal back in the day? You have a, any anything? Any great stories? You know, I I think when when Avalon says, "Did you have a gal back in the day?" Uh, his face just kind of goes dark for a moment, and then, <laughs> and then Throg says, "We are proceeding to where the form likely is. We should be there shortly." Well, golly gee, that sounds awful swell. Uh, have a good, have a good trip, you know, destroy the form and, uh, you can all go and be your own little guys. And then, uh, our business is concluded. I still, uh, you know, I highly recommend if you want to try to find this trader God and make a, make a place so you can bring back, you know, Gladys's eye. And if anything happens to me, you can, you can make me all better. I feel like it's a win, 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 you know, all around we're winning. We're going to be winning so much, you know, you know, you don't have to worry about it anymore because you'll be winning. Sounds good. Are you winning old man? Uh, 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 when the aboleth reminds you to destroy the form uh obviously sprinkles uh looks at her feet uh pointedly i guess it's dark only uh gladys with your dark vision would be able to see that particularly well Uh, you know i think throg will actually ask the aboleth something um and he he'll he'll ask it you, as you have said, think the past was better. But this is not the world we are from. It cannot be made into the world we are from. What are you trying to return to? It will always be fundamentally different. Well, it's an it's a new world, Jack. But you know, we can we can bring ourselves to it, and we can uh, bring traditions and uh, you know, all the things that made made our whole thing. Uh, cool and good, you know. You gotta have the the conviction of your beliefs, and you have to believe in your convictions. So um, we're coming up here, and I'm we're gonna. What do you believe? Um... <laughs> <laughs> what do you want? You give you you've never articulated anything other than kill the form, go to the past. But what do you want to do? Oh, are we going to get an Aboleth musical number now? It's just... <laughs> yeah, the I want Disney. The I want. Yeah. He, he wants to be the first fish with legs. I can show you the world, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it doesn't take a brain genius to figure out this is this is the place to be. It's a whole it's a whole new world, and uh, you know whoever gets here gets it. It's the it's a the chance of a lifetime. You'd have to be. You have to be out of your gourd not to be in Arabella right now. You know, 
That's it's just what else is there? It doesn't even need an explanation. You see, you see a big, a big pile of money. You're not, you're not gonna try to pick it up, put it in your pocket. I I think Throg's point is that like he came up here with a goal in mind. He wants to help people. He doesn't understand what the Avalith actually wants to do. I, to him, it seemed like it's every again. Like, I think he said it a few times. He is everything he hates about dragons and himself in a lot of ways. Is so stuck in the past that he's just like throwing platitudes in his mind. He just wants to, he just wants old, but has no concept of what old actually is or how to get there. I'm just thinking, Fran, Bulbs comes like, you know, when you think about it, this world is so new. We are in the past already relative to people ahead of us. So, you know, hmm. The old world is not a place to live in. You know, the, the rents are high, the food is bad, the dust is disgusting, and the morals are, de- are deplorable, you know? You gotta go up, old man. You gotta go up and grow up with the new world. The, the, the Arabella, or also known as the villages. It, 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 it sounds like like you, as in the Abolith, you, you, you have uh, ambition for the sake of ambition, which... I've known people like that. That's a goal. Who does an Abolith pay rent to? (laughs) (laughs) I think we have gotten our answer. Yeah. I I don't think there's any more use prodding about it. I mean, I want to be very clear. I think this is not only an answer. I think it's the answer most people would have. This is something that comes up a lot this season Mm -hmm. where everyone is like trying to be in a very like modern, rational mindset instead of a kind of, uh, you know, I think the more realistic thing, which is everyone would be killing each other for every every square, Mm -hmm. you know, mile of land. No, 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 for sure. I mean, like that, it also kind of speaks to like, how some of the characters up here don't have those same sort of desires or wants, but they're up here, as you sort of alluded to, like, you know, we're up here because the dragons basically want the same thing that the Aboleth wants. It's just the fact that I think members of Dragon Quest are not really on board with what the dragons want. Yeah, is that causing you to reflect on your, your mission at all? <laughs> that you're like, oh, the our our leaders want what this guy wants, and this is a, a very upsetting mindset. I, I do think Throg, rather probably hypocritically, probably doesn't view dragons and abolites as entirely the same because he knows that A, dragons... Like they're they they don't have like a fallback of infinite memories locking them into a cert like a certain mindset, and he's he's grown up on gold dragon propaganda essentially. Yeah, which is I think good. I think if all of you were like, actually, we all have the exact same modern ideas about uh, colonialism, and we reject you know the abolitionist ideology out of hand, and it's, we have no cognitive dissonance. I think that would be less satisfying than your characters actually having some some thoughts and ideas banging around in their heads. Yeah, like like I think like for for Gladys, I I think she doesn't have like like maybe like she she might have some. Like, I don't think she has questioned, like, the idea of, like, fully of, like, dragons, like, coming up here and finding a a piece of their, piece of their own in this new world. Because, like, I think in her head, it's like, 
well, it's like helping other people because there's like dragonborn and kobolds and stuff that would also be coming up here. So it's like a. I, I think if I had more time to talk about it with good words, like I think Gladys would have some kind of like take on it that's like maybe more nuanced than my square mouth can do it justice. <laughs> yeah, and uh, from Tran's perspective, he was probably raised on various bits of propaganda and probably even had strong stretches of like being put out there to be the best for the sake of dragons in general, but has been dealing with the aftermath of like, well, when they're expecting, you know, this degree of perfection and they don't get it, they they just sort of rip everything away uh sad moment there but no but um but yeah uh absolutely i think that train is drawing some connections between the aboleth's vague well vague to him wanting for things and relating that to what the 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 elders the other dragons seem to have wanted by sending dragon quest on up so yeah themes i I think i've i've there's like mental connections in my head between abolith and gladys's ex-business partner and dragon elders and there's something connecting them all i think that's like 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 a following of authority and like old ways that like even if gladys wants to like not use money anymore and just make things for the sake of making them it's kind of hard to break free of it even in the new world because people from the old world are coming up here throg is basically wharf he has an idealized view of what a dragonborn or dragon ought to be and holds himself to that standard even if deep down he recognizes the fact that most dragons don't but he believes they should and he if he doesn't hold himself to that standard what's the point of even trying well, all right. <laughs> and the entire time this conversation happened, the Aboleth was talking about uh, roller rinks in the 1950s. Oh, yeah. Ab- Aboleth was like, <laughs> just, just imagining this like philosophical discussion and the Aboleth is like gently talking over it in our brains. And it's the worst audio sensory hell in the world. Time. Talk about the time he tied an onion to the belt because it was the style at the time, you know? <laughs> yeah. But what What's Gort's view on colonialism? <laughs> <laughs> well, woof, woof, arf, arf, growl. I got B-speak. I could ask him. <laughs> um, yeah. So what are y'all doing? I think Glad- Gladys, like, wants to d- try just taking a... Like we're we're getting closer, right? We're like like walking. We're, we're, we're like like how how close are we by now? She wants to like take a look up at the sky. Um, how about a nature check? Let's try nature. Okay. Let's see nature. That's a ten. 
So looking at the stars above, you can see that there are constellations and so forth that you, uh, you know, can remember and you know, judge your movement by. Uh, you're like, okay, we're moving southeast. Let's just, you know, stay on this course. Uh, so with an average, you don't know if it's like any, any moment now. In fact, here's the thing I want to say for a 10, uh, which is like, okay, we're going in the right direction. That's all I know right now. Uh, at which point, um, some things come whistling through the darkness. 19 to your AC, Gladys. 27 to your AC, Trayan. 26 to your AC, G- I, yeah, Throck. Okay, that, that hits. I hit. Oh, yeah, I hit. I, 27, I think, is slightly above 20. Yep. Uh, so 8, 10, and 8 damage, respectively, as each of you are hit by a blast of force uh, that just comes uh, out of the darkness from some direction. You, you can't even figure out uh, what it was, where it was coming from exactly. You're just, it feels like all you have just been punched by, like a boxer. Uh, yeah, it's just like. Solar, like with that maximum damage on there is like train get hit in the solar plexus and like collapse, like is staggered back and collapses, sucker punched out of nowhere. Yeah, sprinkles behind you just like starts uh, digging into the dirt to try to hide like a little mole. Yeah, I think I think Throg drops to one knee and places his shield out in front of him. And he's got Gort hiding behind him. Gladys is is just like on like like she probably just like falls over and has to like push herself back up. That was very unexpected. Yeah, that with a ten, you know you're going in the right direction, but now you're under attack. Bad news, we got hit by something, but good news, I guess we're getting closer. Uh, all right. What hit us? What was that? Stung a bit. Throg will like look over his clothes and uh, where he was hit. Uh, have we been changed at all by this blast of magic or force or what have you? Great question. No, you have not. In fact, there's no singeing or burning or anything. So it wasn't like lightning or fire or acid. Uh, it seems to have been force in the most literal uh, kind of kind of application of that term, like a just pure mass times volume. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mass times speed, I guess. Mass times velocity. Velocity is with the V. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That big big brain words. All right. Uh, <laughs> Trade's going to uh, take the his inside-out baseball cap and reverse it so that the uh, brim is facing <laughs> forward, kind of brace himself a little bit, and then starts like jogging into the direction that the attack came from. Incredible. Uh, so you just start charging. Um, like I said, with a 10, I don't even know if you know the exact direction. I assume you just keep going forward. Uh, and we are going to roll again. A crit. That's a crit. Mm. It gets two, though. You you started running. Sweet. Perfect. God damn. Uh, oh, my lord. Uh, <laughs> so you only take t- 10 damage. Um, once again, you were just hit. Of like full force by another blast. Um, it's dark. You have blind sight, so you can like you know feel the vibrations and hear the whistling in the winds and stuff. But you don't have a great uh, sense of the spatial uh, you know context. It was just a bit of a cough from translate. Like good form with that one, and then he's hurting. He's hurting a bit, but. Tries to keep going, for, pushing forward, 
Uh, if anything, distracting <laughs> attacks from the others. Throggle call out for Trayan to stop running yeah. so he doesn't get himself killed. Gladys um, was also about to be like, Trayan, wait, come come back. That's a bad idea. Uh, and Throggle sort of yell out, uh, like, who, who is out there? We do not mean to uh, engage you in combat. Um, all right, so we got yelling and we got running. Uh, let's get an athletics for Tran to just run, uh, just completely head empty, uh, charging ahead. And let's get persuasion from Throg to, to yell into the darkness. Oh, God, I've got a minus one. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> oh, 17. That's pretty good. Uh, that, that'd be an, oh, wait, that was acrobatics. My bad. There we go. Uh, six for athletics there. All right. Very bad. Uh, so, Trayan, you're going to get shot again. Um, you take only four. So, Trayan just runs out and just basically gets a machine gunned by force. And as your body is, like, battered and you are, you know, bruised pretty badly, throb, you start yelling. And then the firing stops. Uh, throg will holster his uh, pickaxe and uh, still holding his shield say, I am walking towards you with calm intent who are you um as you say that because you're kind of approaching uh trey and who's like standing out on the moors uh battered and bruised <laughs> um some figures come from uh kind of in front of you off to a side a little bit tran wasn't running directly at the shooter's position mm -hmm. um three three figures come out of the darkness um each of them is an elf uh, one of them is a the shooter, uh, Bronco, the dark elf, who is doing eldritch blasts uh, with the sniper uh, warlock ability, which lets them shoot from hundreds of feet away. Oh, hello. Uh, oh, it's you guys. Uh, hey, uh, uh. Gladys is, is is surprised. She's just like, what? How? How? Are how why what how why just just kind of stuttering for a little bit like that yeah i think uh bronco sees you gladys you're still wearing his helmet uh he kind of uh runs up to you and says oh hey sorry uh i'm the only one who can see in the dark out of us so i'm try. i was keeping a you know a lookout for for ambushers in the dark and i just saw people coming towards us i didn't know it was you sorry about that I, it, 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 <coughs> it's okay. It's, it's very dark. I, 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 I think some of us also might not have a great sense of seeing in the dark. I, 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 I think I get that. Um, Sid, the elf and, uh, Justine, the, uh, seasonal Eladrin also come up. I think, uh, Justine switches into like a summer form and, uh, casts the cantrip light. And so she can hold a kind of a, a flaming sphere in front of her so she can see a little bit. Uh, but neither of them have the, uh, spell sniper, uh, feet, which doubles your, your spells, uh, mm. uh range. <laughs> so yeah, they were, they were just kind of, uh, hunkered down there. Um, but now, now you see all of them and they, they walk up to you and they make their apologies. You would not have any healing materials with you, would you? That hurt quite a bit. 
Justine, who's ostensibly the leader of this group, um, she is, you know, hefting this iridescent axe uh, with her. She says, um, well, we actually just got done fighting Rex at the, the reliquary. He kicked our asses again pretty bad. So we were going to set up a camp if you want to join us. I don't know how much healing stuff we have left, but, you know, maybe maybe a, a, a drop of potion here. Well, at the very least, we will be safer together. Yes, we saw the reliquary you came from. We 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 saw that a, a, a fight happened, and I I remember I, I like think thinking I I wish I could have helped. I, I I'm glad to see the three of you are still alive. Uh, Sid uh, steps up. She has this uh, you know, piccolo that she uses to cast her bardic magic, and she says, "Oh, are you talking about the art?" ecosystem because we, we we just fought him at the the night reliquary oh again <laughs> a, th- a third a th- oh my goodness e- e- even more recently G- good i'm i'm even more glad you're alive <laughs> i i think throg is watching gladys's expression about this pretty closely considering they had a whole conversation about whether it was right to um to spare rex or not and he's concerned on how she's taking this news. She 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 looks concerned. She looks nervous. She she maybe looks like a twinge guilty. Yeah, uh Justine explains to you all that. It seems like Rex is determined uh to gather as many magical items from these from these graves as possible. He has quite a collection and a hundred hands to wield them, so he's only gonna get more powerful. Yeah, Throg just sort of pinches the the bridge of his uh, uh his brow and goes, "This is uh, this will have to be dealt with, and I don't think anyone can take it alone anymore." Well, maybe if we were to travel together a bit further along or something, maybe if we run into Rex again, uh, all six of us could try to take him on and stop him from uh, from gathering up too many of those things. Sid says, you know, in, in some of our cultures, uh, the underdog is the favorite protagonist. But in traditional giant storytelling, uh, they actually follow a system called the ordning. And they believe that uh, the ideal protagonist is actually like the coolest and strongest and most powerful. So I think from a giant perspective, if I was staging this, of course, I think I would give him like a hundred magic weapons and that would make him like really popular. For that, for that crowd, maybe not for yours, but well, let us take the, let let's not have that play happen. I think. Well, giants, listen, giants go to plays too. Right, but if they ki- if they kill everyone here, <laughs> we're not going to be able to hold a play at all. Gladys is like, like how, how how about maybe we continue this talk by the fire and maybe yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you all are going to go back to where the elves were to kind of set up a camp. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I sometimes am sad that I haven't cultivated the kind of audience who would get the uh, Michael Jordan Republicans buy shoes to Joe, <laughs> which, is <what> that, <laughs> which is what that was. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are, 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 are you saying that the, the that Rex is just an embodiment of Republicans? Okay, no. <laughs> Yes, as everybody knows, uh, Donald Trump has a hundred hands and sixty heads. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with that. It's why it's why he has such big, ill-fitting suits. 
<laughs> he's just hiding hands in there. Yeah, he's just got a suit full of hands. That's the uh, uh, very bad mental image. Thank you, Dan. Dan, with another peak bad mental image uh, description. There, perfect. It's one of my many skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you all kind of go up this incline to where the uh, elves were. This is where you know Bronco set up a kind of sniper's nest to Eldritch Blast down on ambushers. I have to say I've seen people do this in D&D as player characters. It's extremely hard to argue with a properly uh, kitted out warlock. Um, and you see the reliquary of night. Um, it is a huge black needle like a spire building that goes up and up and up until you think it's going to touch the stars so uh did any of you like get like the body part or something in there or the elves are like setting up camp you know they're going to start a fire and so forth everyone's kind of patching up their wounds we can roll hit dice if you want to um just seeing as (laughs) i'm out (laughs) yeah uh just seeing as the leader says um uh, actually, the body part was gone when we got here, so we weren't the first to show up, but the, the weapon inside uh, was huge, and uh, I guess whoever took the body part couldn't carry it, but now Rex has it, so. it mm. The person who has the body part is probably whoever crashed in that, um, that wreckage we found in the art biome. Ah, I think uh, Sprinkles like nods, like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Um, cause you aren't the first people to ever come up here, you know, mm-hmm. like this is early days of exploration at Arabella, but there are other people bouncing around. Well, I mean, like we said, you know, it's good to see that you're all still alive and we can heal up here and all that. It was a giant weapon. You said, yeah, it was like some kind of big staff, like a wizard staff. Um, I, I don't know exactly all the properties it had. It kicked our asses. There's a bunch of necrotic energy. Uh, Rex shot at us. You know, he has a, a big sword, a big axe, and he's going to have more and more stuff as he moves east. Um, how do, can we still see the falling stars from here? I'm so glad you asked, Dan. I'm incredibly happy that you asked. Can I get a perception? Uh, from my feet thing, I've got a default of passive 20. Uh, I think we went with using that last time. Do you want me to roll again? No, that's what I wanted. That's what I needed. That's what I'm craving is you using your perception to look at the stars. And you see that this black spire of night, this, this, uh, you know, essentially this uh, grave to the god of the darkness, uh, which pierces the heavens, has at the tip of it some kind of inky blackness, and it's hard to look at. Mm-hmm. It's a magical phenomenon. I don't know that a, you know apocalyptic uh, survivalist like you living in the woods know uh, what a black hole is, mm-hmm. um, but with a 20, you see just this darkness beyond darkness, this Vanta black nothing, mm-hmm. which seems to be like sucking light in towards it, and... Uh, it's hard, like I said, to look at. Like it feels like it makes you like nauseous, or like you when you look, there's some kind of um, optical illusion, like you're seeing something, but you're not sure you're seeing something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you see out of that nothingness, that darkest darkness, uh, something streak out and shoot to the west, falling like a star back in the direction you came. So it's it's coming out of the black hole, from what I can see. Yes. 
Okay. Because uh, my next question was going to be, is it like, are these twinkling stars being like pulled into its gravity and then rocketed out like a gravity slingshot? That's a great question. With the 20, I'll say no. It seems like the stars and the black hole were created intentionally by the god of night. Okay. Those are things that are supposed to be there and supposed to be part of the tableau for the nocturnal inhabitants. You get both the the beautiful midnight sky and you get the darkest darkness, the mm-hmm. black hole, the epitome of, of the aesthetic. Uh, but the thing about black holes is they suck things in and they are... Uh, supernaturally almost powerful uh the kind of thing that say a form could have intersected with and got sucked into Mm. okay so maybe this isn't intentional maybe this is a byproduct it's it sounds like the black hole sucked up the form but because the form is so like like primordially powerful it's still doing something inside of there mm-hmm. and it can like escape the gravitational pull of a black hole to shoot gems out of it uh, this feels like a scrib- this feels like a scribble knots type of solution you just like <laughs> uh, capture the fo- like, find a way to contain the form of this domain you just write black hole it just spawns in the world and sucks up everything I've played enough scribble knots to know that you just summon Cthulhu Cthulhu will take care of it that's right <laughs> It almost feels kind of like a like a malicious SQL injection. Like I know that's a computer thing. Like because you can like (laughs) ways you can fuck with computer systems if you can find a way to do it is you can insert data into tables that should not have like specific kinds of data, like quotes and stuff like that. yeah. Yeah, and it sounds like. It was inserted, like it somehow got into this black hole. It's not meant to handle this type of thing. And as a result, the side effect is that it's hucking out these gems every so often. Earlier in the episode, you asked, like, was this deliberate? Why here? Why now? Mm -hmm. Was there some kind of plot or plan or conspiracy? I think with the 20, I'm just going to tell you, it seems like it it was just an accident that this this thing from outside the universe got caught and one of the only things that could have caught it. Um, and it, it, it would be destroyed if it was anything else, right? Like the, the right. gravitational uh, interior of a black hole would obliterate any regular matter. But this is non-material. This is the, something perfect and simply uh, beyond the bounds of normal physics. Mm-hmm. So it's just in there in a way it wouldn't normally be in there. Uh, yeah, I think Throggle just kind of scratch his head and go, I don't, there's not, I, what, what do we even do here? I'm trying to think like I, I like I wonder like I think you said like it's hard it's hard for like survivalist adventurers to know what the fuck a black hole is like scientifically was there like like <laughs> like a nature role or something to try and understand the gra- the, the the gravity pun intended of how fucked we are that a black hole couldn't destroy this thing. <laughs> I, I just like the idea of like one of us just picking up and I just throw it at the black hole and see what happens. <laughs> I was I was thinking that too, but it sounds like it's real far up in the sky. Well, hey, we're really strong, okay? We're just pretty strong yeah. guys. We, we, we just just give us a chance. We get a sling, give it a give it a little spin, and just uh, just just chuck it up there, you know. Out of character, I'm just trying to think. All right, can't, it's something that ha- can't even be destroyed by a black hole. That's a later problem. How do we get it out? <laughs> 
Yeah, these are all great questions. Um, I think if you're looking for a role, it's religion, uh, uh, just because yeah. that's the closest thing we have to like form discourse is religion. Religion role. Wow. Uh, Trad rolled a nine. I got a 25. <laughs> that is a, I believe that is a crit. Yes. <laughs> I got a 16. <laughs> Uh, the group not only succeeds, you have a crit. So uh, I guess Sarah, this is your big moment. This is the this is how <laughs> Dragon Quest is going to kind of get uh, the to the finish line of the things we've been building to. Uh, let's work on this together. Uh, we've talked a couple times before about your desire to uh, democratize the gifts of the gods to you know duplicate them. We've rolled a couple times for it, and you've succeeded every time. I said before, like I'm really glad that roll worked because if it didn't, I would just be like, you don't know shit. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> But with this crit, I think um, you, you're coming to the end of that journey. Uh, the form is something uh, powerful enough to make the impossible possible. Uh, it is right within your grasp. Uh, why don't you walk me through your thought process? Let's, with a crit, you know, build this together. You're going to succeed. How does this, how does this look? How does this work? Let's talk about it. Okay, so I'm trying to summon everything I know theoretically about black holes. I know they like warp the perception of how light works because they suck in everything because they're like an extremely dense amount of mass in a really small space. So yeah, you're talking about the physics of a, of a black hole in our universe. I will say that this is not the god of astronomy who yeah. did this. This is the god of darkness kind of doing their own thing, kind of playing jazz with it. So there's <laughs> yeah, actually just, more f I'm, flexibility. I'm, I'm bringing my uh, knowledge into like kind of like inform how I perceive this thing. If, if it's like darkness, like Vanta Black, and, and, and like there's the form inside and it's spitting gems out. Especially because it's so close, right? Like if a black hole was in the same like neighborhood as our planet, we would all be destroyed instantly. This thing <laughs> appears to be at the top of a building you're standing next to. So yeah, that is yeah. It's a it's a very fantasy black hole. I, I'm just ex I, I get excited about space stuff. Sure, um, but yeah. So you have a, I think a lot more room to play with than if this was like a hawking accurate mm -hmm. uh, a celestial object here. Um, but you can do what you want. I think part of the question is, uh, are you actually going to go through with a plan to destroy it? Uh, the Abeleth is very clear. That's what he wants you to do. So no one can have it. So no one can be more powerful than him. But you see, you know, Sprinkles is ha growing an attachment to these gems. Mm -hmm. uh, she seems like she doesn't want that to happen. We know in the future she kind of becomes the protector of the new ones. And also you think the forms... Uh, are the only thing powerful enough for you to succeed at your your tool quest? You know your your the gifts uh, duplication we've discussed. So because like as far as Gla Gladys understands it, the only thing this form is doing at the moment is making new sapient life, and it it and, and like in her mind she she she's like well, at this point after everything I've learned, no, I don't think she would want to destroy it because it doesn't seem like it's doing anything aside from making people and the, the people are walking around like finding like statues or whatever just to, to live inside. 
Also, do you have any idea what this is the form of? I don't know if anyone wants to say it and get the credit for being the person to guess it, but you crit, so I'm I am open to just saying it out loud if you would like. Yeah, I've been trying to guess what it is all like f- like for a while now. I've had like multiple ideas I shared in like the disc in like our pri- private like recording Discord like a uh, like I've had ideas like creation, transmutation, uh alchemy. Mhm. I mean, transmutation is right. That's not the word I would have said, uh, mm-hmm. but that that is cor- that is correct. Like you know, as far as that the, is, you the, get point. You get a passing grade. <laughs> it's the semiotic answer that I'm looking for. I, the word I would have said was change, um, because <gasps> I, you know I was thinking of the word change, but I don't think I brought it up earlier, so it didn't come up in my mind while I was talking now. But that that makes sense because everything is changed. Like, it's the new world, everything's changing, gods died to create a new thing, they went through, like, a very, like, extreme change from person to place. Yeah, there's all these echoes throughout the whole season. I don't know if you want me just to say the subtext out loud, but everything from Dio's whole thing, changing their bodies, Mm -hmm. uh, changing their body constantly, to literally the players changing character over and over and over. Uh, That's obviously not intentional. That's just one of those things where it lines up to, yes, everything you've said about, you know, culture, land. Yeah, you also have like the the Pokemons changing when certain things happen. Yeah, so. Absolutely. That was another one. Yeah, I I didn't get this one. I was thinking more. Uh, this is more abstract than any of the ideas I was having for it. So you got me there, Austin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this one goes in the Sarah column. Yeah, Sarah wins. <laughs> Perfect victory. Finish him. <laughs> Sarah, what's your fatality? <laughs> yes, yeah, Sarah. How are you going to kill me? <laughs> but. Better do one shot. Better make it hurt. <laughs> uh, charging full price for the first time for a potion without being forced. You know, just make you poor. <laughs> like, I can't believe you you left me destitute on the streets. The slow death. Fucked up. Gladys evil arc now. <laughs> uh, we br- break out the fan art of the uh, get down with the sickness <laughs> potion being cracked open. <laughs> Cut straight to a montage of Gladys just massacring everyone else. Good actual end. answer for fatality is um, uh, po- like potion up that uh, sun thing that I was using to like fight off the bats and like have it go supernova. That's a pretty mm. cool fatality. I, I was gonna say like uh, potion up uh, Mac. And then the moon just crashes into someone <laughs> and takes them out. My Majora's Mask Sun Mac. So you say about uh, unleashing the sun from your vial and making it go supernova. I have to admit that sparks something in my brain, which is if you wanted to defeat the god of night's black hole, one of the ways to do that would be to introduce a equal but opposite light, mm. right? Because mm. we're not actually talking about the physics of a real black hole. We're talking about a construct of darkness. So the opposite of darkness, the thing that negates darkness, would be light. And so... And then I do have a idea about um, the uh, democratizing items thing. So like, if it's the form of change, then it's maybe possible to... like. Ha- put put something like 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 take one of these like items that we I, like I'm thinking like 
could you change it into its component forms and therefore get the ritual so that you could replicate that by understanding how it worked? Like, yeah, I think that's definitely a, like a thing that we'll we'll talk about after we get our hands on it. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, you're at you're at this campsite. Let's let's just kind of zoom back into the characters. Everyone's like having a very uh, rough meal of like hardtack and beans or something around the fire. <laughs> you're all catching up. Uh, Bronco's saying like, "Oh, uh, has my helmet been serving you well?" Um, and then you know, in the background, we just see Throg staring up at the spire. Because uh, it was your perception check, mm-hmm. and you're you're you know the cogs are clicking in your brain as everyone else is like patching themselves up. Mm-hmm. So let's get let's get actually in that scene. Yes, I I think I think I will tell Bronco like yeah that that the helmet has been extremely helpful. I don't think I've ever been so able to focus on the things I need to without freaking out than I've been with this thing that's great uh bronco claps you on the shoulder and smiles and says it makes me feel taller does it work for you the same way i'm not sure if that's just like psychologically (laughs) like related to me or if it's the helmet in general i i I wouldn't say it makes me feel taller I, i i i think it makes me feel more upright as as a person Oh, it's a posture thing for you. Fascinating. Just n- nodding my head, like ch- a finger to my chin, like yeah, interesting differences. <laughs> Sid says yes, yeah, slouching over the cauldron, a classic image. It really gets the people going. They love it. Has been a while since I slouched over a big cauldron. I, I do a lot of smaller mixing. I like only I only have so much room to carry things. Um. I I think yeah, Throg is just sitting there staring at the spire, no matter how much it's hurting his his eyes, uh, thinking and thinking until eventually, like he sees one of these stars streak out of it, um, and then he says, uh, he he just kind of points at it and says, "It's it's that." Justine says, "What's that?" What's going on? What what are you all even doing here? I thought you went ba- uh, you went back or stayed at the the mines. I try try and do. You, do you think it would hurt to say what we're doing now? I I I. I, I... At this point, the Abolus voice cuts in and he says, "Hey, Jack, keep that to yourself. You don't need to tell any of these uh, these little pointy-eared some bitches nothing. This is between you and me. You know, <gasps> son of bitches, ah." Uh. Such harsh language. Such harsh language. He he might as well have just called them knife ears. <laughs> We've been wrapped up in a a bit of bit of things uh, for well, like like Gladys said, our mission for the dragons down below. Justine says, "No offense, but you know we we're still on our mission. We gotta you know compose." Uh, a work of great art for the elves and everyone who's counting on us back home. So, you know, we can't let you kind of take in charge here. Not not to be rude about it, just being up front. It's the leadership quality. Yes, we have no... Our, our mission is still the same here, to ensure this world is actually safe for dragons, 
I have no wish to broke your um uh your attempt to make the greatest piece of theatrical lit uh work ever created. Sydney smiles and nods vigorously and says, thank you. Uh, that's important for me to hear. I mean, it's, it would align with your interests, right? If the elves uh, won and the giants lost, right? I think Rex uh, getting everything up here is a kind of a bummer for your guys. So, Rex reminds me of a, a bad habit young red dragons can develop. They gather, they crush, they destroy. They have no goal in mind. They just do. I think under his breath, Bronco says something like, I think all his friends died. I don't know about all that. <laughs> Gosh, I wonder what happens when all your friends die, huh? Hmm. Anyways. I, uh, yeah, I, I, think, <laughs> I think Throg just sort of shrugs and says, I gave him the choice. He did not have to fight us. And it seems like every step of the way, he has chosen to do this. He had no plans for the items he took. This is the path he is on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the elves are obviously glad you sided with them. I think just everyone is just kind of looking into the fire and thinking about the alternate universe where you were like, oh, sorry about your friends, buddies. These, these elves seem awful selfish. Want us to help you whip their asses? Because that also is a mm-hmm. other timeline that yeah. easily could have happened. I mean, Throck didn't even really choose to side with either of them. He just kind of said, why are you fighting? What's the point here? And then he attacked, the, the giant decided to attack. So... He's got a fight. Yeah. He chose his path. I think I, th- I, if I remember right, I think um, the dude who has like um, fucking t- tattoo marks about all the like dragons and dragonborns he's killed and like f- miming, making two more, I think. Like there's, like yeah. That's just bro talk, you know. That's just. It's not like a justification to attack him, like like as like a a human person who knows to, that like atta- attacking people is wrong, but like on a narrative. Sense. I just I just like the idea, like oh no no, he's that's just bro talk, you know. He's just talking like you know, just saying things, you know. He didn't he, mean anything by that. He did directly <laughs> threaten two of our lives and said that class was not worth killing. Yeah, I think I improved that. Like once it seemed like that's where the conversation was going. I don't think I had that in mind going into that session. That's just my mouth open sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I guess Throg will sort of um, dodge the the question further for the time being. Well, actually, it seems like it has been dodged. They are they're off of um, me saying that's it. Um, I I guess Throg will pivot the conversation. Ask them. Um, so do you plan to head out from here? Justine says, you know, we did some scouting because we, this place is really dark. We were kind of wandering around blind. So we were looking in all directions, seeing what was going on here. And, uh, to the Northeast, we found, uh, this huge wall of earth, just like up into the sky miles. It's like impossible to climb. But when we found, uh, some holes in it, like, you know, tunnels inside and we were worried about getting lost in there. So we were checking out over here first, but, um, it seems like this place is all darkness and misery. So I think we're going to go back into the tunnels. Um, yeah, they all look at each other and like nod <laughs> and they're like, we got to get to the, uh, far east of the world first, you know, like we got to figure out what's going on over there. A, a tunnel biome, you say? That's interesting. We've already 
seen a god of mining. I wonder what this might be. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine. It's probably just like a little gnome god or some some uh, maybe a kobold god or something. You know, there's a lot of people who live underground. That that is actually a question I may ask you. It has come to my attention that there may be a well a biome of dragons here. Have you heard any inkling of this? No, not yet. Sorry. Hmm. I mean, I'm sure there's one for dragons and for kobold and for elves, and we're keeping an eye out, but, you know, well, I can show you my notes of ones we've seen so far. Mining, art, darkness, tunnels. Well, I do wish you luck in your travels into these tunnels and hope you find something that you can use for your your play. Although I'm not sure how you will make... Oh, I guess you could just make a cave set. Sid speaks up and says... um, you know, I can I can cast fly. I was thinking about going over the wall. The thing is, uh, we might we don't want to ditch all our stuff. You know, it'll make us really heavy uh, when we're carrying all these bags and all these armor and all these weapons. And so we'd have to leave that stuff behind if we wanted to fly up over this wall. And that's we got into a big fight about whether to go through the tunnels. Brian Bronco says tunnels, 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 and <laughs> Justine's like, "You would say that you live in an underground." <sighs> Never mind. <laughs> we don't all love tunnels, you little weirdo. <laughs> tunnels are pretty good. Tunnels are nice. They're comfortable. <laughs> tunnels are kind of dope, honestly. You know, if you think about it. Ah, <laughs> uh, Throg, the the only one who can't move around in the dark here. Nah, not the fan of tunnels. <laughs> Bronco tries to fist bump you, uh, Gladys. Tunnels. Tunnels. <laughs> Bronco's so cool. <laughs> Gladys, do you fist bump? I do fist bump. I go tunnels. 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 Oh, they're having a moment here. I'm, I'm frankly, it's making me a little uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the thing about the flying spell. You know, it lasts for, I think, an hour. Uh, Trey and you and I were flying around. We got, you know, some some air time in. But mm-hmm. you gotta, you're a, you know, you're a monk. You you not you don't really carry things around with you, so. No, I don't, I don't carry much other than well, you know the 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 medals and stuff. But yeah. Um. Yeah. He Thorog will walk up to um, uh, uh, the the three of them and sort of go, I would like to come to a deal with you for something. Justine is the leader, and she says, "Oh yeah, what's that?" And she cuts off a you know a piece of jerky with her giant executioner's axe. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you can see, we have obtained some magical items over the course of our journeys. Uh, it sounds like you probably won't be able to fly over the uh, tunnels just to be able to keep your stuff. It's going to be dangerous. You'd have to go through it. I would be willing to loan my some of the equipment we have gathered to you to get through the tunnels a bit easier. You don't know what you'll encounter. If you would cast fly on us uh, before you leave. I, we have some things we need to investigate, and I think that would be a bit easier if we could uh, avoid having to physically walk over land. The elves look at each other, and Sid says, Yeah, sure, I can cast fly on you all. Um, I I like to do that in the morning. I'm pretty tired. I just got uh, uh, slapped around by a giant with a big you know staff that shot 
death magic out. So after the nap, how about that? Uh, yeah, Throg will extend a hand to shake on it. Yeah, you all shake on it. I think, um, you know, at some point uh, you kind of weigh your stuff mm-hmm. and figure out, you know, what was going to hold you back. Uh, it's the ladybug shield uh, and the the helm that Bronco let uh, let Gladys hold on to that are like the heaviest important things. The pickaxe is pretty heavy, but it's also magical in a way that makes it feel like uh, weightless, mm-hmm. like the way it cuts through metal like butter and stuff. It just has this weird property. So actually the pickaxe can stay with you. Yeah, I'll switch back to my my regular old-fashioned shield then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Gladys, you have a ton of, you know, paper, heavy pulped paper, which is which is pretty heavy. I think you can give the elves some of your, your notebooks, but not all of them, probably like the earliest stuff. Yeah, like, because, like, I, I've been mulling over it, like, I, like, like, it would make sense to, like, lighten, like, the heaviest bit of the load. Like, I was thinking, like, I mean, Gladys probably wouldn't just hand over all of her notes, but, like, if it can be just some of them, then, like, like she's willing to give, like, do that. She, she, she can just... <clears throat> and Justine wants them because it's a chronicle of our adventures thus far, and that is <laughs> valuable the- for a theatrical play. These notes conveniently cut off right before we meet the Avalith. Don't worry about it. Uh, she has ulterior motives. Yeah, she wants to crib the juiciest stuff from your adventure. Uh, we also know that Dio finds this journal in the tunnels. So that that is uh, how you know Dragon Quest starts, is Dio picking up this book and reading it to find out about the falling stars. So mm-hmm. we have circled all the way back around. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so, oh, that won't have the, uh, I guess it probably won't have the part where it meets Dio in it, but that's got to be a weird part to read. <laughs> Wait, you tell me I'm in this book? <laughs> I wonder what their story is like, and then it cuts to Dio's story through Pants for Pets, and then it comes back there. So it's just an endless Ouroboros story that never ends. It just kind of loops back into itself. Yeah, all right. I, th- I think we have a plan. We, we hand over our equipment to the elves. Um, so going to bed in the ecosystem of the night is interesting because your circadian rhythm's all messed up. Uh, is there anything you want to say or do here? Because uh, we're going to make some rolls in a moment. Um, yeah, I, th- I think... Um uh, what is it? Uh, when he like feels like the Aboleth isn't watching currently, uh, he'll he'll sit down next to Sprinkles uh, for a moment and uh, take the gem that he had pocketed and hand it to her. Nice. Yes, yeah, she takes it. She looks at it and smiles, puts it in her bag of holding, and you know nods at you like as if to say thank you. Um. I think he'll he'll sit for a moment and uh, like quietly petting Gort, and then say, um, "Do do you, you know much of dragons?" She shakes her head. There is in a story I I think of often that I think may help you in this moment that you are going through. There was a dragon long ago. Uh, as a young hatchling, he was found by a human. The human kept him safe. Then as the dragon grew, he kept the human safe. And after a while, he kept the human's family safe. Then when that family became a village, he kept that village safe. And over the generations, the village prospered. 
This dragon did not keep a hoard. One day, years and years later, generations after generations, a city had been built, a kingdom, standing proud, strong, and safe. A young dragon came to this ancient, withered worm at the end of its life and asked him, Dragon, sire, why do you not keep a hoard? The dragon responded, Look at the city below. That is my hoard. Every smiling child a gold coin, every safe family a priceless gem. This is what I do. All that matters is the actions that, you're, that you take in this world and the effect it has. Protect those gems. Make your own kingdom. Sprinkles listens intently. Obviously doesn't have the words to respond to you, but then she gets an idea. She kind of stands up, waddles over to Gladys's, uh, like sleeping bag. I assume you're, you know, sleeping at this point. She, and she kind of rustles through your stuff and finds the deck of cards. Uh, previously, like the first time she ever expressed herself was by summoning the, uh, the Melfi Rabby, <laughs> the little pink rabbit. And then beating the shit out of it, deeply worrying. <laughs> Yeah, to to show how the Aboleth made her feel, uh, but she like walks over to you with this deck of cards and like looks for one that kind of shows how she feels about all this. Um, and she pulls out like a, a, a probably the Melfi Rabbi representing her, and then uh, tries to find one that's most like the Aboleth, and she finds um just this great. Uh, worm, like W-Y-R-M. I think you actually use that word in your story, mm-hmm. like uh, as a dragon. It's a gun dragon. <laughs> it's like a metal <laughs> dragon with like uh, all of its uh, teeth and claws are like gun barrels. See, I was going to suggest this card, the Humpty Grumpty. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Humpty Grumpty. Fuck, that's for, good. For the audience, it's <sighs> a horrible egg monster with toes and hands uh and like a tongue and a nose ring and fucking like wakes coming out of its head it looks quite awful oh it's terrible yeah i think um there's a couple cards she pulls out i think uh humpty grumpty is one of them maybe these like represent her mm-hmm. friends like you or the you know the gems that that's the thing i think she assembles like a whole hand of cards to represent all of the people she's thinking about well, this one just kind of looks like the Aboleth a little bit. It's the tongue twister. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, now we're just talking about Yu-Gi-Oh! art. <laughs> um, but basically, she tries to show you that, like, she, the Melfi Rabbi, wants to protect, uh, you know, the gems, the Humpty Grumpties. Uh, but there's the Aboleth, this, this gun dragon, who is, like, you know, breathing down her neck and controlling her, and she doesn't know what to do. I... I think Throg will sort of leaf through the um, like the cards, and he, I think he's going to um, uh, find two, uh, and I, let's say one of them is called uh, like Enduring Will, and it's like a, a hero uh, standing up against uh, all odds, uh, and another that's uh, the great escape and it's like a cartoon uh, criminal in like the the ball and chain uh, digging a digging a hole through a uh, through a wall to escape prison uh, 
uh, and he's going to place the two of them down and point at her. Yeah, so you you are now just having a full on conversation with playing cards now while everyone else sleeps, um, and you just go back and forth. And I think uh, yeah, the the camera on the scene is like slowly zooming out as you go back and forth, and so like the audience doesn't get the full plan. I I know I have a mental image in the morning of like we're giving like the elves like the stuff that we agreed to like hand over to them for, for, for like an exchange for the fly spell. And like, I, I think Gladys has like gone through her notes and like, okay, these are like my personal notes. These like kind of my diary, these stay with me. These are like my, my extreme, these are like my potions notes. These stay with me. These are like my explorative notes. I'm going to try to make copies in the margins of the of the notes that I can keep. She's just very meticulously trying to think like, okay, like how many grams of, of paper can I keep? Yeah. I think uh, Sid watches you do all this and is like, you know, a little bit exasperated because she just wants the juicy details. She doesn't need all this nerd shit. Um, but looking at you a while, I think, as you know, she takes the stuff and just says, uh, you know, I like the, what you've done with your eye, it's a, it makes you stand out a lot. I feel like it gives you character. You're like, you know, one of those people who only have like three lines in the second act, but like that's all anyone talks about afterwards. That, I, thank you. I, I, <laughs> she, she's a little flustered. Just, just, just I, she, she's pretty sure that's like a just like a compliment for real and it's just like they, I, I appreciate that sentiment yeah thank you I don't know about these two chuckleheads though they have real uh, 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 security guard number four energy if you catch me uh, while while this is happening Fran is doing the uh, the hand, walking in handstand situation again from the prior day <laughs> Justine comes over to you, Trey, and, um, and she's actually flips into a winter form to show some uh, mild disapproval of your shenanigans as you're doing this. Um, and she says, you're the leader of your group, right? Uh, uh, honestly, I think that Throg's a bit more uh, leader-like, being the one that has a lot of the ideas. I'm just uh, working on my balance in uh, core right now here. But uh, What's up, Justine? Uh, I guess it's a seniority thing. I thought it was all the medals. She like gestures to your, you know, <laughs> your pile of trophies and stuff you were sorting through to get rid of the heavier ones. Um, but she says, um, I was just curious what you're all going to use this fly spell for. You didn't really explain. I, I think the the main thing was just giving us an opportunity to uh, navigate um, a little bit more quickly than just being on land you know and uh and i think we were i think the way ahead just kind of has you know a, a thing that involves a lot of climbing potentially and i think it's just a bit easier especially for the others if we're if they're able to just you know take to the air like i can all right yeah recon surveying i get it I'm, i guess i'm just feeling a little weird about this because you know we were sent here for the glory of elf kind and we're kind of helping some dragon folks who are a pretty big rival to our leaders. I just, I'm conflicted about it. Uh, you know, we have a, a saying in my culture. Uh, it's, who owns the moon? Have you ever heard that before? Who owns the moon? I, 
I don't know if I've ever heard of that one before. Uh, Elves used to worship a goddess named Sayanin Moonbow, goddess of the moon. Um, and it, it's just kind of like a thought experiment about, you know, things that are so big and powerful and important and who can control them. I'm just curious, all of you, she's, you know, points to Throg and Gladys. Who do you think owns the moon? I'm trying to think. I'm pretty sure that some folks back home would surmise that like a, like a, like a lunar dragon type of thing would be the entity that owns the moon by hoarding it all to themselves or something. But I can't say I could think of much about owning something like that. I think Throg sort of strokes his, uh, his chin whiskers once again. Uh, <laughs> and he, he nods and says, an, an interesting conundrum. I would say that if I am trying to acquiesce to your con uh, your preconceived setting here, that you know what? No, I got no idea. I don't know. This is too complicated for me. I'm old. <laughs> it's too. It's too, too much philosophy. It's not concrete. You can't own it. You can't even get to it. I'm sorry. I. I <laughs> the idea that Throg goes into one of his like little like wisdom moments and then is just like I don't fucking know. <laughs> he has a wisdom meltdown. I, I Look, think, he's I, only he's only got a plus one, and this started to get into like <laughs> the metaphysics. This isn't even ownership of land; it's ownership of something you can't get to. It's I've 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 never thought about who would own the moon because I guess I always just thought of the moon as just like one of those immovable celestial objects that just kind of exists outside of ownership. Mac lands on your head uh, and he's like perched there as if to say, yeah, like moon squad. <laughs> <laughs> moon Actually, squad. Actually, I I think um, Throg uh, looks at the pickaxe after his little breakdown and takes a moment to to think, and then looks at Gladys, and then looks at the Hollow Runner, and thinks back to everything that they've been trying to do over the last. Uh, I guess I don't really know how long we've been here. It doesn't seem like a super long time. Um, last decade or two. Yeah, the last standard <laughs> or time. Last three hundred years, we've been we've been trapped on the, up in this new world, um, and says. Uh, those with power will always mistake a claim to whatever resource, land, or concept they can, but that is not how things ought to be. And that is what I would say. While you're all talking about that, uh, Sid comes up and says, do, do any of you have a feather or an agate? Uh, like, like, like Tran just likes a little bashable because he does have some things that are are like charms stuff made with bozog feathers and then gets out of his handstand before getting one of those trinkets effectively and offers it up to Sid. Just like, will this feather do? Absolutely. Thank you. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a couple more lines in the finished product. She, she makes a note. <laughs> <All right>. Um, <laughs> uh, Tran will also just say like, if, 
if it makes it easier for you, I mean, like, you know, you know, I can fly, so you don't probably need to worry about the others when it comes to the fly spell, Sid. All right, yeah, I can cast it on you two, um, and I'll save myself some some juice. There's some spells I want to try out. She shows you her, uh, you know, spell, her spell book, which is also the screenplay she's writing, or I guess the stage play. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a combination of like dialogue, music, and magical notation. And you see the reason she asked for an agate is because that's a spell component in the spell Awaken which is a, a high-level bardic spell. Um, and she, she shows you she has, like, she has stuff, so she'll be fine. She was just curious if anyone had an extra. Gladys is like, oh, that, that, that's a pretty complicated one. Yeah, it's, I'm pretty excited. You know, nothing up here has uh, intelligence, so I'm, I'm curious to start talking to some, some things. Uh, there was a big, a big a raccoon I saw earlier. I'm curious of his opinion on the moon. <laughs> Yeah, this moon question is, is, is very interesting. I'm, I'm probably going to be thinking about it long after we've s- split ways. Wait, I, I have answer. Gladys. And he po- he points to Mac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mac spins around like a little pirouette. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> Gladys will laugh at that. Just I, I, that... I, I don't... <sighs> Mac is my friend. I don't think I owe him. <laughs> Um, so Sid, uh, takes the feather, kind of lets it float in front of her and plays a couple of notes on the piccolo and both Throg and Gladys begin to float up off the ground and you, you can fly, uh, for 10 minutes. Um, and she is, uh, you know, tips her cap to you all. Um, and everyone begins packing up and walking away. She says, if you come across any stray agates, let me know. I want to get a raccoon and a possum to debate the moon question. So that's the, I mean, I can give them intelligence. We'll see. We can put this to bed once and for all. I could, I could, if we meet up later, I will cast Speak with Beasts and ask Gort what he thinks. Yeah, Gort goes, hmm? <laughs> I'll, I'll keep my, I'll keep my eye out for that. <laughs> We're going to find out Gort 100% believes ownership should be enforced by violence. Yeah. <laughs> Can I eat it? Can I kill it? Then I own it. If I have a bone and somebody else wants my bone, I fight them. That is that is my right. That's the original concept. Um, so the, the elves wave and take off, you know, with the with the ladybug shield and the big scary helm, um, and they go towards the tunnels, which they are going to go through. Um, what do you all do? Paint me this picture. So it's it's morning to your uh, circadian rhythm, but it is still blackest night mm-hmm. because of the ecosystem. Uh, in front of you is a, a spire. At the top is pure, pure darkness. And every once in a while, a tiny gem shoots out of it and streaks across the sky. All right. So I think we talked about this like a little bit, um, that we are going to blast light into the darkness to get that form out of there and my my idea is that uh like like during the morning gladys has been preparing like the best most potent fire light spell that she can manage with her materials and i think the little something that's going to give it a little extra kick is going to be that she's going to use some of the uh by like like luminescent dust like that can like fall like just like fall off of mac every so often because it's the moon made of like moon dust oh mac's got dandruff (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh gosh. Um, and, and Mac, uh, Mac is cool with it because Mac is just like my, my little buddy, my little pal. He's the, the moon is going to help me make the sun to throw into the black hole. Uh, yeah. So um, I think uh, Throg is going to be looking up at the 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 black hole, and he's uh, preparing to to go about this, and he's going to say to um to to Gladys. Gladys, I think maybe you should hand the hollow runner to Sprinkles. Uh, you will have to be concentrating on your spell, and if anything goes wrong, she'll be able to potentially play a card to try to help us get out of this. Oh, oh, oh you know, that that is probably a better idea, because I, I'm not sure I'd be able to get, like think fast enough to get it working in time, so if, if if we have to uh, move fast, work fast with a, a spell that I'm throwing out there. Notably, when Sprinkles takes the hollow runner and it attaches it to her wrist, she kind of nods to Throg, not to Gladys. Mm-hmm. And Gladys is like, I I, I hope I hope that uh that 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 um the, the the cards that we've got will be will, will be helpful. I know that you like um using them i i i, I like I, I hope you like the art on them <laughs> yep she shuffles through the deck uh looks fondly at the big pink rabbit <laughs> and smiles puts it back smiles at the big pink rabbit she brutally assaulted earlier in the week mm-hmm. as a metaphor for her own feelings mm-hmm. <laughs> uh his cold unchanging face Perfect. Um, okay, uh, I think uh, Throg, yeah, rolls his shoulders, uh, looks to Gladys and Trayan and goes, are the two of you ready to begin? Uh, Trayan has, you know, taking care of getting his duffel bag kind of organized and has it basically strapped almost like a backpack at the moment and just sort of nods like, pretty much, uh, uh, let's get to it, right? Gladys is going to take a deep breath. Just gonna exhale and go ready as I can be. Alright, and I, I think from there we all fly up and take like an equilateral triangular position around the big black hole. Yep. Yeah, as you fly away from the campfire, Throg, you you are, you know, plunged into darkness. You don't have dark vision, so you can't see, and it isn't until Gladys uncorks her bottle that you will be able to see again. So that's just for there's a moment where you're kind of plunged into darkness that I think is pretty interesting. Yep, and meanwhile I have Gort and a baby Bjorn on my chest. <laughs> <laughs> and Sprinkles is flapping along behind the group. Uh, Throg will call out to Gladys. Gladys! Let there be light. Everyone cover your eyes for just a second. Then she's going to uncork that bottle and toss it. And it's just going to be a big flash of light, like at the, at the black hole. I will say that Trayan has his baseball cap turned backwards again and has to shield his <laughs> eyes. It's like, why does this keep happening? Why, can't, why am I having a hard time seeing these bright lights? If only I had something that could protect my eyes. Oh, poor Trayan. I, I, think, I think Throg didn't know when he had to keep his eyes closed or open for what was going to happen. It just got blasted right in the face. He's <laughs> just, oh, my eyes. Oh, uh, no. Th Throg went through the SWAT 4 menu, selected flash, uh, flash and clear, 
And then the Gladys's AI uh, just threw it out right in front of him. Throwback. Um, so a huge flash of pure light comes out of Gladys's potion bottle, and the pure light cancels out the pure darkness. Uh, what do you see? I'm imagining like the light goes into the darkness and then bursts out, and then like it's it's almost like. Um, like those slow motion videos of like, like shooting a water balloon open and like you have like the water balloon part that's like the darkness and like the water inside that's the light and then like there's the form in the middle there that's like freed for just long enough to escape that black hole's like dark gravitational pull. So I, I think there's a few ideas we had for what change looks like. I think there's an idea. Yeah. If I may make a suggestion, what if it looks different to each person that perceives it? Like, my first thought is, like, a Rubik's Cube that is, like, folding in on itself. Like a a four-dimensional Rubik's Cube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, there's this thing I'm trying to think of that's, like, this toy that's, like, a little metal mesh wire thing that you can turn inside and out. That's also kind of what I'm imagining. (laughs) Yeah, I, I get what you're talking about. Like, yeah, like some like a hypercube-esque sort, like a hyper, ooh, like a hyper kaleidoscope kind of thing there, like a four-dimensional kaleidoscope. Yeah, I remember kaleidoscope was another thing I was thinking, like, because I I like, like, the colorfulness of, like, it being kind of kaleidoscopic. Maybe, like, kaleidoscoping the point where you can see it, like, 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 if you could look at the spot where it's on top of, it's kaleidoscoping that. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I almost like the thing to give credence to Dan's idea, like the idea that each it looks different to each person because as you look through it, like light and reality bends through it. So what you're seeing on the other side of it is different depending on the angle you're looking at it with. So the object is the same, but the what you see through it is different. Mm. And it doesn't really um, crystallize until it becomes the little gem and then it shoots out. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, every time, every, oh, it's it's auto solving itself, and each time it completes, it shoots out a gem and resh- and then reshuffles itself and then solves oh. itself again. Oh no, oh, it's yeah. a Bitcoin miner. <laughs> you all spend so much time admiring this huge, shifting, colorful, kaleidoscopic form uh, that the Aboleth gets impatient in the back of your mind and starts, you know, saying, "Come on, Jack." You got to destroy it. It's it's just sitting there. It's 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 vulnerable. Well, I mean, if 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 you can't do it, just bring it back to me. I'll do it. Uh, uh, well, uh, hmm. Transfers him the haws about a little bit, and then just decides to fly up closer to the form itself. To not not really to take it, but to sort of get closer and see if it's even possible to like touch it. You know, um. Yeah, actually, Sophie was very clear in a conversation with Mari early in the season because uh, they had this discussion of what happens if I put my hand into Dio mm-hmm. um, was the question. And what happens is uh, Dio becomes part hand and you don't have a hand anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so oh, I think if you I I think, yeah, if, if you st- if you like, you know, do it some kind of tentative uh you know, reach to the form of something, it just gets changed. Like you reach out with like to poke it with a trophy and you're just holding a bouquet of flowers now. 
Aw, the bronze flowers at least, though. That's pretty nice. Oh, wait, no, one of them is silver. Shit. Uh, it's useless. <laughs> Throw it away. <laughs> Garbage. Trash. Trash. Get out of Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. Uh, try, trying to take the form on uh, directly seems ill-advised. But the Avalith is like, you came all this way for this. So, I mean, you, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be a, a, a Jack be nimble now, huh? You know, Jack be quick. I need you to take care of this. Someone else is gonna come along. You know, this isn't a, this isn't a candlestick, man. I'm not sure. You know, uh, I can't really jump over this, let alone grab it. It looks like. It, it, it. It, 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 I don't think we can touch it. I, I don't. I don't know if we can do anything to it. It was like, like I'm looking at it. It was inside, like the darkest thing I've ever seen, and now it's out and it's fine. What do you even do about that? So you crit Sarah, so you can dictate this scene. I will say we're if we're flashing back through all your roles related to your big project, uh, there's the one where, uh, you know, at the campfire where in the background Throg was saying, if I go berserk, Trey, and you need to put me down. Uh, at that time, you were sitting with the Hollow Runner and you were making like blank cards to, to try to test uh, duplication. And we talked about, you know, how if you, you needed one more role, which you just did and you crit on religion uh so you can like make cards uh to duplicate things and now you have kind of think of it almost like the fuel you have a form now the form of change and so i feel like you have perfectly set the table for this like i'm, I'm thinking like um like we're up here we've thrown the light we've seen this form in its whole and Gladys is looking at it and, and, and just, I think she's already said this but she's like, this thing is untouchable it's it's just sitting here doing what it does is this perfect little platonic thing and I, I don't, like, I can't I don't think we can destroy this I don't think it's right to I don't I, I, I know we came all this way but I can't I just I, 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 I've seen what it can do and I, I I don't want to destroy something that's just making what seem like just people exactly you dumb son bitch it's making people it's like it could be an army you can't just let anybody have an army of little gem people you need to do something about it. I'm I'm in I'm in a big puddle back here. I can't get out. I can't do it myself. That's what you're for. What's what's the point of having a little bunch of little guys if if they're gonna be uh useless? It's, I might as well just uh go uh, swim into a cave and never come out. But they're they're not. It, they don't need to be an army to 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 be valuable. That the, the the one that we met was just like a a fucking baby. I I can't. In good conscience. <laughs> what about what I want, Jack? I need you. Listen, you destroy this big thing, or bring it back to me now, or we're gonna we're gonna have to have a, a, big, a long talk about how many eyes all of you have. And I, I'm telling you, I think the eye market is uh, going into a bit of a depression. I think the line's going down. While the Abolith and Gladys are starting to have this argument, uh, Throg very um, quietly just kind of drops his shield to the ground and essentially starts to like 
disarm himself. Like he he begins to pull off his longbow uh, and just let that drop. Stows the um, uh, the pickaxe into his backpack uh, and waits to see how this is going to proceed. All right, yeah, that's the image of you flying in the dark, and then your your items start falling out of the air and like sticking in the ground. Just to, to to the eye remarks, Gladys is going to be like, I don't care if I lose both of them. I just like I'm here now, and I can finally see that I can't do this. I don't care if we got sent here to do this. I like I'm not just going to get bossed around by whoever's got more power over me for the rest of my life. Okay, so because you crit, you definitely can do something here. I want to highlight you are making a choice to take a stand and not do something, even though you could. I believe that's what I'm doing. I think my I think the thing I'm deciding to do is to not destroy this thing by by telling the abolith that I'm not going to do it. All right. Um Throg, wisdom saving throw as the Abolith tries to take over your body. Okay. Uh, ten. You are now Abolith. All right. Oh, sweet. Well, I can't wait to break out the new character sheet for this. Let's go. <laughs> uh, Throg, uh, use all of your tools to attack Gladys for betraying the Abolith. I, I warned you, some bitches. Is there still light? Yeah, there's this giant glowing sun that is counteracting the darkness. And so you are all having this uh, fight in this weird, uh, you know, light and dark uh, zone. It's a very, uh, you know, very interesting effect, I think, in the HBO adaptation. It's like some Spider-Verse mm -hmm. stuff going on here. It looks really cool. It's maybe even photo negative while you're all fighting in the air, like Dragon Ball characters. That sounds sick. <laughs> it's honestly really cool. The, all the combat this season has been dope. Uh, okay, let's see. So I've got no, um, uh, I've gotten no shield anymore. So I'm just going to, I guess, run up with the pickaxe uh, and swing at Gladys. Absolutely. I think even like you drop the shield and then you go to drop the pickaxe. All of a sudden, you're you can't control your hand anymore. It's like you're struggling with it, and that's when you lose control. It's like extra juicy. All right, let's see. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be a twenty-six. Oh boy. <laughs> Yeah, that hits for sure. Uh, so that's uh, 15 damage there. Um, I don't think Gort could attack if he's in a baby Bjorn. So <laughs> that'll just... Yeah, he's just going along for the ride. So yeah, bo bonus action would be... I'm. Well, I guess I did this out of order, but the correct way to do this would have bonus action to cast Ensnaring Strike. And then on this hit, it'll uh, activate. If I hit, that is... Uh, 17. That does hit. Okay. Uh, that'll be 10 more damage, and the ensnaring strike goes off. That is a 1 with a minus a 1. one. <laughs> Alright, uh, you take 3 piercing damage, and uh, vines erupt from where I smack you with this uh, pickaxe and restrain you. All right, so Throg, you lose control of your body as Gladys refuses to destroy or give the form 
to the Aboleth. You streak across the sky and start battering her with your pickaxe, from which vines sprout and begin ensnaring her, uh, keeping her from fighting back. Uh, behind the group, Sprinkles looks at her deck of cards, uh, shuffles through them, and with some gravity and solemnity, chooses Gun Dragon, a huge silver dragon whose claws and teeth are made of gun barrels, and she strikes it across the hollow runner, and it materializes in the air in this uh, battlefield with the uh, you know the the black hole and the sun fighting for uh, for dominance around the form, and there's just this strange nega halo of light around it as it roars. Um, and Trayan, you obviously you see Gladys getting battered, and you, mm-hmm. you assumingly use your monk dragon wings to like fly over but then the gun dragon opens its mouth and from its throat there is a click as the barrel of it uh kind of uh slots into place and it tries to shoot you with a anti-materiel round uh can you make a dexterity saving throw that'd be a 12 that is not going to do it. Holy Christ. This is a real dragon stats. 12 D8 damage. Do, do it. Do. Let's Ooh. let's see this. You do not mess with dragons in this game. That's why it's named after them. Mm-hmm. 52 damage. Okay. <laughs> I'm down to eight hit points after that. Nice. A, a shot rips through the air. There's just this clap. You know, it blasts, uh, you know, clouds out of the sky around it as Gun Dragon uh, taps you from across the battlefield with just uh, the the recoil sends the dragon back, you know, several body lengths as it hits you with this this rifle round. Um, And it is your turn, Trayan. Trayan, seeing like Throg uh, on Gladys like that is going to try to go past the Gun Dragon to go straight to deal with Throg and get Throg off of Gladys. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, does that provoke an opportunity attack from the Gun Dragon or? No, the Gun, gun Dragon is at extreme range. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Although so, if you get into melee with it, then it's a shotgun claws time. I, I, I can't believe the Gun Dragon 360 no scoped Trayan. <laughs> I should have said that. Yeah, it has a gamer horn tail. It's like beep, 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 and it spins through the air. And the train like flies in and is trying to just like knock uh, Throg off of Gladys uh, with some with some flying uh, kicks in the air. Um, first attack would be twenty five. Uh, yep, with no shield, that'll definitely hit. Uh, eight. Uh, train is going to attempt to impose a stunning strike on Throg. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see here. I got a thirteen. Uh, before train will proceed to do to air combo there another 26 for the attack there that's seven damage there jesus crow you can't find any good help these days the aboleth says bonus action and then floria blows a 13 a 23 and a 20 uh yeah these all is all hit (laughs) yeah so trayan hits for a total of 12 27 damage on throg just you know, comboing on the old man, thinking back to Throg's words about the situation at hand. And like, there's just, just a sad look on Tran's eyes as he's just going in at it. 
Yep, you you've got me half dead, son. You gotta you gotta go the rest of the way. Kill this old man. Mm hmm. So uh, that's four concentration checks you need to do. All right. Uh, what what are the DCs for this? Is it uh, it's based? ten. Okay. The DC is ten. Uh, Constitution saving throw. If you fail a single one, Gladys is free. All right, that's a twenty. Uh, <laughs> gosh. And that's a five. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Trayan's been in the Street Fighter Six beta and starts juggling you across the sky, uh, and eventually Gladys, the vines around you wither and fall away as uh, Throg slash the Aboleth are unable to keep uh, you bound. And it is your turn. All right. I think that with my turn, I'm going to use a bonus action to cast healing word so that I can heal up a little bit because Throg is fucking monster hitter. Throg's having a flashback to when we fought those shit ass owls. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I can uh, use my action to cast uh, false life, which will give me 1d4 plus 4 temporary hit points. All right, so you just drink two potions on your turn. You're just pounding them. Yeah. All right, that's pretty cool. Uh, and we're back to Throg. Throg, you are, uh, you know, getting uh, ultra comboed by Trayan, but you are still Aboleth pilled. Uh, so, uh, how are you experiencing this? Is this again where you're in some kind of psychic reverie of your, you know, your family or some war? Uh, yeah, I, I think maybe like with the hits, it's bringing him out of it a little bit in between them, but it's, he's just like, it's like, uh, you, you ever have, uh, be really tired and you you wake up from a dream and then you immediately fall back asleep and then you wake up again. It's kind of like that. He, it's incredibly disorienting. And after a while, you start to like become unable to tell if you're dreaming or not anymore. Um, mm -hmm. And like it, it's just like every hit is sending him into a different war, a different battle, another fight to the death, another desperate uh, attempt to survive against uh, against everything. Uh, and it, he's just feral at this point. I will point out that you're stunned until the end of my next turn. That is also true. <laughs> <laughs> he is feral and also unable to do anything about it. Yeah, I do so, like the visual of you just getting punched through battlefields, though. It's like yeah, you, get yeah, hit, yeah. you get hit, you're on a beach, you get hit, you're on a mountain, you get hit, you know, you're you're fighting in the trenches. It's just uh, there's giants in one moment, then there's elves, then there's dwarves, and it's just yeah, combat. Well, I, I, th I think the perfect way to describe it is that it's sending him backwards through each of his memories. Uh, first train hits him, and it's uh, him back in this fight with the Aboleth. Then it's back to the... Um, uh, the the fleas in Arabella, then it's uh, not Arabella in the the flesh biome. Then it's back to his uh, uh, losing his family. Then it's back to the war, all the way until he's just a recruit uh, in in the army as a uh, as a teenager, uh, just sent backwards and, and through. A, he's seeing his life flash before his eyes. That's literally what's occurring here. All right. 
So that is your turn. Uh, you are going to be stunned still. Uh, it is now Sprinkle's turn, and she orders Gun Dragon to fly at the group and just uh, do uh, you know flak like anti-air uh, guns from each side. Not not particularly accurate, uh, but they're just kind of uh, things going everywhere. Uh, constitution saving throw as shells explode around you, and there's like you know hot shrapnel in the air. All right, Tran rolls a four. Oh, I roll a six. I don't know if this was to me too, but I got a six. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, you're all kind of close together. Uh, so, oh my god, thirty damage to everyone. <laughs> okay, thirty damage. Jeez. All right, that, I'm that very much out. dead. <laughs> Fuck. You're dying. Even with the temporary hit points and the fucking remembering that I was at full health at the start of this fight that took me out. Why do you have to waste my time like this? This is this is so, it's so futile. There's going to be someone else after you. What was the point of all this? There will be someone after us, and there will always be someone who will oppose you. Now shut up and let me die. Just I I just I wouldn't be able to live with myself finishing what you wanted me to do. I can't do it. The the gun dragon is definitely a large imposing foe. Uh, the only and while Trayan doesn't have the resources to um, uh, fully evade out the damage by the saves and such, because these are effectively ranged shots, uh, uh, Trayan on both in uh, both the times that he was being shot at, uh, was able to utilize, uh, was able to utilize deflect missile, the monk ability to reduce damage by uh, D10 plus 11. And taking both of those into account, Trayan is the only one of the three members of Dragon Quest still alive after the flak attack lands in there. How many hit points do you have left? Th um, that would be 37 at that point there. So he's actually at over half maximum hit point still. Nice. All right. So uh, Throg and Gladys uh, get knocked down and you start falling out of the air. Um, and Avalith says, why do you do this? Come on. I was trying to be nice. I was going to let you go. It wasn't even a trick. All you have to do is help me. What's your problem, man? Uh, first of all, it was one second and trans like grabbing onto Gladys and Throg as they're falling so he can... Uh, make sure to brace their fall for them. Uh, all right. Well, you, if you try to move to do that, the gun dragon is going to try to stop you, uh, taking an opportunity attack. Uh, actually, I'm gonna, instead of being a, a, a weapon attack, uh, why don't we do a strength contest mm. as it tries to basically ram into you, like a just a full-on uh, ramming speed, you know, ancient ship attack. Right. Tran rolls a 10 on his strength check. 21. Ooh. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a ten. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that was a big big success. So the yeah. dragon opens up all of its like booster jets and just uh, turns into a javelin as it come you know comes screaming through the sky and slams into you as you try to catch your friends. And it is now pushing you into the you know away from the form and into the deeper night. Like uh, you know, gets knocked away, does a couple of flips. Try to rebalances himself and then tries to figure out where 
the others are because I'm pretty sure the darkness is is pretty intense, but there's still maybe the bit of light in the distance. But he is a uh, in a disadvantage now in the darkness here. Yes. Uh, so the gun dragon is like you know going full speed ahead, like you're a fly stuck on the front of a, a train's cow catcher. As you move deeper into the darkness, in in the distance, you can see your friends falling out of the air. Uh, you see the light and dark spheres on top of the spire with the with the form but the aboleth is in your head uh now and you can feel it almost like feeling around with its psychic tentacles uh probing telepathy is the name of this ability mm. it is like winding its way through your brain uh throg and gladys are lose consciousness and so the aboleth is not in your minds the aboleth does not know what's up with you um and, and uh, you know sprinkles is controlling the gun dragon so it's just you and the aboleth now, Treyan, like it's looking directly into your into your eyes, like you're the only one, and it says, "You know, you could you could still get to the edge of the world, and you can you can make a you know a new place, and you can bring your friends back. I'll let you live. Just 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 destroy the form or bring it to me." How am I supposed to do that, man? I I, I tried reaching out for it, and I can't touch it. It, it, it. Like, you have all the ideas, man. You you're you could have told us how to deal with it. You just keep on pointing to it like it's some threat and that you want to have it removed. And that's fine and all. But, you know, I, all I'm good for is just fighting people, man. Your, your little glad bag, the little one eyed lady. She, she knew she made these blank cards. She could have she could have used them. She could have, uh, you know, absorbed some some stuff into them. She could have done it. I know she had all kinds of thoughts. She was trying to keep me out. But, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a master locksmith. You can't you can't lock the door on me, on your old buddy Kashim. I'm not Gladys, and I don't know what that all means. But first, I gotta—I'd have to get back to them. I have to get back to the the forum to do anything, man. Uh, I rolled a four to reload the gun dragon's central cannon, which is not good enough. I needed a five or six. So you hear something click inside of it as uh, you know it misfires, trying to line up another shot on you, um, and the Aboleth says. I don't trust you anyway, man. You, you, you're a liar, and you're you're a coward, and you're you're a, th a third place loser. Man, listen, I'm I'm not trying to be any of those things, all right. But I will tell you this: is this something a coward would do? And then he just sort of tries to, if he can see the gun dragon, he's going to try to go straight at it and just punch the gun dragon as well as he can. <laughs> Yeah, you were pressed up against it, like I said, like a so, you know a fly yeah. in a windshield. So, so he's going to start gonna, punching he's gonna, it. Yeah, he's going to start punching at it. Uh, Twenty hits, sixteen miss. Uh, so that's nine damage initially. Uh, flurry of blows, uh, ten and nineteen. Nineteen hits. So Tran's just sort of punching at it, and like. Uh, uh, 15 damage of, let's say, fire damage just sort of like sparks off little flames as his he knees and kicks at the gun dragon to try and, you know, do something to stop it. Yeah. Interestingly, your fists are magic at this level of monk. Mm-hmm. So when you punch this, you know, hard metal of this, this metal dragon, uh, your fist just like starts slicing through the exoskeleton of this uh, this machine creature in a way that uh, would be surprising to any observer. <laughs> Maybe even the Aboleths. Like, whoa, Nelly, those are some those are some powerful kicks there, friend. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I got some uh, some tricks and kicks of my own. 
Um, sprinkles, let him have it. And the gun dragon unloads its shotgun claws into your chest. 29. That will hit. Um, oh, I can... Wow, the dragons have such good stats. They sure <laughs> do, man. You know, oh, yeah, they're, they're this. pretty great. <laughs> dragons and dungeons and dragons have good stats. All right. So one barrel catches you, and you are going to take... You, you know it's lucky? That the flak shot a perfect circle around Gort. Gort's <laughs> <laughs> Gort, uh, having a great time here. 14 damage as the shotgun uh, grips into your side, and uh, the, the gun dragon uh, opens its mouth and is going to uh, start on the next, next turn trying to reload the main sniper cannon again. I have to get a 5 or a 6 on a d6. Um, Train is going to shadow the Colossus his way in this situation climb up the front of the dragon to get up closer to its face to you know knock it uh, knock, knock it around a bit there all right just like 27 holy shit and 19 for the first two attacks those both hit uh that's gonna be 21 fire damage and then we'll do another flurry of blows um 20 and crit Oh my lord! If Trayan solos this actual dragon, <laughs> he's got to uh, he's got to detonate the rounds in the chamber. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's twenty one. Uh, oh my gosh, I rolled minimum borderline minimum damage on the crit there, so that's uh, only only fifteen extra damage. That's a total of thirty six damage fire on the dragon there. All right, yeah, that could have been bad. You were actually getting some serious strikes in. Um, you can see in the distance, uh, the the gun dragon is like streaking towards the edge of the ecosystem and towards the next one. Um, maybe you can see like the tunnel biome to one side, which is like a looks to be a huge uh, cliff, right? That is like swish cheesed with little holes. Um, and we, we've discussed previously that you know the elves thought about flying over it, but they were carrying too much stuff, so they had to go through the tunnels. You can see that, and then you see ahead of that to the east is a, a misty uh, biome. You don't know all the uh, you know features of it. It just seems like it is a kind of highland covered in an interesting layer of like fog. Uh, there's creatures moving around, big creatures. In fact, I don't know that you would recognize, say, Brontosaurus, Stegosaurus things of this mm -hmm. nature but there's like mm -hmm. big there's big lizards kind of peeking in and out of the mist ahead of you those are some weird looking dragons <laughs> <laughs> oh is this dragon um, land no <laughs> yes uh but you were you were actually cutting through the gun dragon's armor with your magic kicks and it is uh you know the Abolith is showing some concern here and i think uh at a certain point sprinkles kind of pushes her mind into this group call uh, you can just kind of feel her presence and she starts projecting an image into your mind. Um, and it is this very strange uh, card that uh, that Throg was looking at last night with her. And it is Humpty Grumpty. <laughs> I, I, I remember Humpty Grumpty. I'm just kind of curious about what the implication of that card being shown in this moment, in this situation. Hey, before you die, I really like this art. <laughs> this is my new favorite artist i hope you know um yeah there's just this a big egg creature like running away on this art um and she's just projecting this into your mind and the aboleth is still going on saying like come on you're my little guy just do me a favor we can we will your friends will put their eyes back in it's not going to be a problem i just need you and then just humpty grumpty humpty grumpty humpty grumpty <laughs> as if 
uh, Sprinkles is trying to drown him out. Uh, Tran just sort of like shakes his head a bit, and then I guess if he's allowed to, he's just going to try to continue to beat on the the dragon here to the gun dragon to stop you know being pushed further away. Uh, it is actually Sprinkles' turn, and she is going to instruct Gun Dragon to uh, f- to basically uh, start diving down, 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 down with you, uh, you know, pressed up against its its body in a kind of uh, attack that is going to destroy both of you. Train, you know what you got to do? You got to turn this dive bomb into a suplex. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Like that's incredible. Like that's my thousand thought I was thinking about. It's just like trains to sort of like uh, uses. Okay, so if I can, I would propose burning my last instance of wings on of the dragon wings for this long rest arc um, that I have available to try to get enough leverage to try and just turn the gun dragon enough to put it between him and the ground. All right, uh, dexterity contest. All right. I rolled a nine. Uh, Tran rolls a 21. All right. <laughs> uh, describe to me this. So imagine a, you know, a bullet train with wings and teeth slams into you, is just streaking through the sky like a silver bullet, and then it starts uh, angling down towards the ground. It is going you know, down, down, down as fast as it can, and you were just pressed up against it. You're punching, 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 kicking into its armor and like getting you know, some pretty good shots in. Um, if this fight continued, maybe with you know, some luck, something else could happen. Uh, and then uh, and it seems like it's about to drive you into uh, the ground at top speed. What do you do? Well, the the easy answer would be I just pull a saber and suplex the bullet train. But um, uh, I think what train does is become sort of aware of the barometric pressure change as we are going down and down and down past the layers of the atmosphere. Um, and peering out of the corner of his eye, he notices the ground quickly coming up. Um, he maintains his grip holding on uh, basically as just the motion of the gun dragon keeps him pinned against the front punches and kicks kind of in a, in a slightly weaker manner until it is very clear that the gun dragon would not be able to pull up if, uh, or anything else like that. Um, At which point Trayan plants uh, his, Feet against the torso of the gun dragon kicks off just enough to give space. The wings unfurl yet again, and he rotates in the air to get enough angular momentum to roll around the neck of the gun dragon before grabbing onto the back, tugging almost a way to sort of pull the gun dragon's head backwards in a sort of a like pulling on reins and then just impact into the ground with a uh, a a disgusting, violent sort of uh, cratering uh, type of impact. All right. How much damage do you think this will be? Because you are also moving very fast and, mm-hmm. you know, this is not easy on a body. I think you're going to take some fraction of this. So I think this is like a risk reward um, thing here. So I could assign it arbitrarily, but what do you think uh, is the damage rolls and splits? Like we're going terminal velocity, I would say that something in the order of like 
uh, like either 10d6 or 10d12 kind of in that upper range of that would be not outlandish to say. Oh my god, Train is the meteor that killed the dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> that would be such a great reveal. I'm going to do 10d12. I'm going to hit this button and we'll see, let's see what Santa Claus brought us. 61 damage as you slam the gun dragon into the ground. Uh, and I think, uh, that is actually not enough to finish it. So like it snaps a wing off, breaks like an arm and a leg and it goes sliding across the ground, but it is still alive. Um, how much damage do you think Treyan takes just from decelerating at that speed? Basically. Well, it's a little bit tough because Treyan also has slow fall as a monk. So he naturally can reduce falling damage by 30. So so if you even to say like he takes half of that or then he took one damage from the fall, basically, or actually zero because 61 rounds down to 30. Exactly. All right. Yeah. So what your your spectral wings, uh, you know, are put at such an angle that you come to like a sliding stop in the ground and like dust yourself off perfectly unharmed. Pretty much. <laughs> if, if, Just, I, if I may suggest for like a more cinematic idea, maybe he's coming in at speed and he's just at a full monk sprint at his, as his feet hit the ground, like a, like a fucking plane landing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so but, you take half of 61 minus 30, which is zero. You uh, <laughs> slide across the ground, start into a sprint and start running at the dragon whose arms and legs and wings are broken. It is still up and it is your turn. I assume you just continue the kicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in this case, your tra- train dives in and just starts uh, going at it to try to finish this thing off. Uh, 20 for the first attack. Hits. 12 for the second, which will miss. miss. That's 7 fire damage. We will then key point for flurry blows. 24 and 21. That was all hit. Oh, my lord. If you take out this uh, fucking adult dragon by yourself. Uh, so that would be a total of 22 fire damage. All right, I'm going to roll to reload my gun. One that does not do it. Uh, and so the you run in, you start kicking the teeth out of this dragon. You hear a click inside of its throat, and you see a shell uh, try to roll into place, and it just gets stuck on the bent metal walls inside of the gun dragon. Um, and it looks extremely bad, and it is going to point one of its broken arms at you and just try to discharge the shotgun. Uh, 26. That will hit. And 13 misses. It does not count as a ranged attack, correct? No, shotgun is point blank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right. Train's down to 11 hit points. Oh my god, this is gonna, this is so close. All right. Uh, train up again. So. Mm, Absolutely. Uh, 16. Miss. 24. Hit. That's seven fire damage. Um, last key point. Oh, 16, 27. All right. That's another, uh, that's another 13 fire damage on this thing. All right. It could have been better. It still has a little bit of health left, and it's going to try to reload its gun for the third time, I think. Three that doesn't do it. Um, at this point, click, 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 click. Something's just wrong with the gun. I might just stop trying. Uh, shotgun again, 27. And that will hit. 27. Those will both hit, yes. All right, that's not good. Nope. 
Uh, 39 damage. And that will t- knock out Trayan at this point. All right, so paint me the picture. So you've shattered this dragon on the ground. You're in a misty highland. Uh, there's a brontosaurus-like neck peering out through a, a cloud looking at you. Uh, you are just standing in front of this dragon and kicking all of its teeth out. Uh, you have broken its neck in such a way as its main gun won't fire anymore. One of its arms is sheared off. Um, how, how does it beat you at the last second? Uh, Trayan has just sort of like uh, Trayan probably could have done other things a little bit better tactically, like heal up a little bit and such here and there, but just the sort of the desperation and the noise in his head from the mixture of the Aboleth uh, of Kashim and Sprinkles um, and made him just sort of focus on doing what he can to stop the gun dragon, viewing the gun dragon as the thing that is the big threat at the moment. Uh, so kicks, uh, plenty, uh, strikes and the like. A dodge is a handful of the shotgun blasts, but um, as he sees a possible opening to finish off, uh, even with the wounded arms, both of them come up and both fire almost at the same time. The shotgun blast uh, shooting Trayan back. Uh, tumbling on the ground and even rolling off of a small little uh, like uh, plateau to a slower uh, uh, a lower bank behind some rocks as he's uh, knocked down to uh, unconscious from uh, that blast uh, while the large gun dragon is still wounded to the point where it's not going to be able to move from where it is easily if at all. Yeah, so Trayan, you like start losing consciousness at the at the foot of this hill, and this huge broken machine is like trying to crawl towards you. It is like using every last ounce of its strength to kind of you know slowly like claw at the ground and move its body. When a colorful feathered creature kind of curiously wanders up, uh, looking at the situation, sees you, a you know a reptile unconscious on the ground, sees this big machine. Um, in this uh, Archaeopteryx, this prismatic ancient uh, ancestor of the, of the modern bird, uh, checking out the situation, kind of hops forward and, and pulls uh, a bunch of wires out of the side of this gun dragon's neck, and it, it goes limp. And now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> <laughs> Against the dark, and we erupt, but it's a slow burn. I take a chance, we start to dance. Can't see enough to know to turn around. The sound of a bonfire carries over fences, titillates the senses. We can feel the heat, the chill wind is pushing. Burning down, we're up on fire. I keep it.